0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Jesus speaks today in that reading from John's Gospel what may be one of the greatest martyrs of the Christian faith prayer. Now, prayer is a martyr because it has been twisted and killed by those outside the church and even from within her own walls. It's been attacked and turned into so many different things that sometimes it's almost unrecognizable in the world today well why is that well there are numerous reasons that we could examine but first and foremost it all comes back to that we have separated it from christ and his work and his word you see jesus teaches you today what prayer is and he forms this understanding in you so that you pray as he commands you and in faith you cling to his promises that he hears you and answers your prayers this Sunday, then in the church year, is called Rogate Sunday, and up to leading to the Reformation, this Sunday and then the subsequent days—Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday—leading up to Ascension were called Rogation days. And during that time, they would go out into the fields. The priests and stuff in the villages would go out, and they would, you know, do various things, you know, for the sake of the crops and those kind of stuff like that. Well, oftentimes it turned into, you know, holy water or planting different things or praying to different saints. So during Luther's time and during the Reformation, then. It reoriented it back to what Jesus speaks about in prayer. Not doing superstitious things, but actually praying. That's why historically, then, this Sunday of the church year, we sing a hymn about the Lord's Prayer. Also, too, nowadays, if we were to do that, especially this year, going out to the fields, we need a boat, I think, right? With all those water. And so Jesus said today, then, and he tells us that in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. So here Jesus, as we've been hearing these past few weeks, is heading to the cross, preparing for his ascension, and what will happen on the day of Pentecost. All of those things are so intertwined in together in these chapters, especially chapter 16 of John's Gospel. And so the Lord teaches the disciples, as he teaches us, that they will, on that day, ask of the father and it will be given to them question though is always that good lutheran question what does this mean and so we see asking and praying in the name of jesus isn't just some magical formula that if somehow we ask god for whatever we want so long as we tag on in jesus name then the lord has to give it to us well it's not that way it's not what jesus is speaking about in his word it's not something we use to manipulate god But you see, the Lord is teaching them what it means that he goes to the Father as their mediator, as their advocate. Now, in that reading from Numbers, we see kind of a couple of things working that kind of inform what Jesus is talking about. There are a couple or two types in that reading. If you remember in the Bible, an Old Testament type is something that points to a future thing. That's called the anti-type. So, for instance, circumcision in the Old Testament, baptism in the New Testament, the Passover in the Old Testament, the Lord's Supper, those things, type and anti-type. So the first type that we see in that Old Testament reading is the bronze serpent. It's a type of the crucifixion, as Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3. That as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. So we look at that reading and we think of the crucifixion, when we see the bronze serpent. And the other type is Moses. In Deuteronomy, we hear one will come after a prophet greater than Moses. And so here then, Moses is a type of Christ who goes to God on behalf of the people. He is their mediator. We hear that as the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. So here Moses is the one who pleads the people's case, the people who confess that they have sinned, and God sent serpents in the wilderness to bring them to repentance. So Moses goes in prayer before the throne of God as he did on many occasions. Moses prays that God's anger would be turned away and that the people instead would have peace and life instead of death as they see all around them with these fiery serpents. And God hears the prayer and he gives life to his dying people as they gaze at that serpent on the pole. And so we learn something in all of this from these readings today, all three of these things. One thing that we see as we start to look at prayer, is that we have no right to pray to God. We know that all too well as as sinners that we can't approach God and live. So how prayer is understood, first and foremost, is only through the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. That's why the Lord goes on to tell his disciples, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father, And that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. So that day of speaking plainly about the Father has come. And the Holy Spirit reveals who God is and what he has done for you in Christ. That's God's word preached to you. It's the scriptures. And so this word that Jesus uses here for plainly is quite something. There are different ways to translate it from the Greek word, but the two aspects that kind of come through all the different uses in the New Testament are boldness and confidence. This word is also used in connection with prayer, specifically as the confidence of Jesus, the boldness of Jesus to ask the Father on our behalf. And so, throughout all of these camp, countless examples that you can look at, we did this study the other day I was, when we, I was sitting down with Pastor Preuss and Pastor Lingard, and it was quite remarkable. It was pretty cool. And one thing, kind of just as a brings all of it together as a, an example, is in John, First John, chapter five, God says this. He says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence, that's the word there, this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And so having Christ and having his benefits means absolutely everything because Christ Jesus has done it. So those plain words of scripture that Jesus speaks about as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, as many of these apostles would write the scriptures themselves, Jesus gives you that. And in faith, your God-given faith, you trust those promises. So I always drill into the heads of the catechumens Whenever we talk about prayer, why are the two reasons we pray, command and promise? Prayer is commanded by God. And the Lord promises to hear and answer your prayers because of what Christ has done. So prayer then is all about Jesus and his work. should be no surprise to us. So prayer is so connected with the atonement of Jesus that without Jesus, without his work, prayer is in vain. It's worthless. It's useless. And so when we think about that, lest we lose sight of that, God warns you. He warns you to not listen to those voices around you that try to turn prayer into something it isn't. And there are many. Don't hear those who take Christ out of the picture. Don't think that prayer is your ways of manipulating God so that now you can get your way. And don't think that prayer is your righteousness before God. Don't think that you make yourself right before God because of prayer. It's often said that, well, I can refuse to hear God's word. I can not receive his sacrament. So long as I pray to God, then everything's okay. But that's sinful. That's a mockery of God, the very opposite of prayer. When Jesus sent his disciples out to make disciples of all nations, his apostles to make disciples of all nations, it was through baptizing and teaching them to observe all things that he had taught them. So prayer, then, isn't a means of grace like the Holy Scriptures, like baptism, like the Lord's Supper and absolution are. God delivers something through those things. Prayer, instead, is the exhale of the Christian. It's our exhale as we first inhale God's Word. And so we see that prayer isn't a burden. God doesn't listen to you then on the basis of how many people you have praying for you. It's not like you see those Facebook posts around. Let's see how many likes this can get. And, you know, Jesus is like the people make fun of it. Jesus is sitting on his computer. Well, I won't listen to the prayer until it gets, you know, a thousand likes on Facebook, right? Well, that's not how it operates. Or it doesn't matter how much of a warrior you are in terms of it. Because the power of prayer is not that. Prayer is not a power. And another error we fall into is when we want prayer to be the end-all, be-all, thinking it will make Christians of the whole world. Now, people with albeit good intentions fight for prayer in public school. But always with that, like a lot of things in life, I always tell people, be careful what you ask for. You might just get it. So imagine this for a minute. Imagine the public school where our kids are sitting in the classrooms and then there's a prayer to begin the morning. And over in the loudspeaker is an Arabic chant to fall down in submission to Allah. Or imagine the meatless prayer that is intentionally so generic that it just talks about God in an abstract sense that all people, no matter who or what God they believe in or even lack of God, can say, yeah, that's really nice that we had that. Or think of the prayer that repeats over and over again, Father God, I just wanna, I just wanna, and thinks that you pray to God simply to feel better about yourself Or just to show others about how great a Christian you are. Those aren't biblical prayers. And most assuredly, we don't want our children exposed to that. And now only in faith in Christ can we pray to God. And only in faith in Christ does God hear and answer our prayers. Think about the prophets of Baal. They did a lot of praying. And what happened to them? Well, the ultimate example is also the Lord's Prayer. What we sing about in our office hymn. And the Lord's Prayer isn't for everyone. It's only for Christians. Praying it before a football game or a school assembly isn't the best practice. Because what are we confessing when we do so? Only those who are baptized into Christ, only those who are born of God are sons of God in faith. Apart from that, we can't call God our Father. And so it would be a lie to do so. Because Jesus said, in that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. And so likewise then, why does God love the Father? Why does the Father love the Son? Well, Jesus says in John 10, right after that great Good Shepherd passage, Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life, that I may take it up again. Prayer is for Christians. And so apart from Christ, you stand under God's wrath and condemnation. And only in faith can and do you pray, because your righteousness to approach God is the righteousness of Christ. So prayer then is our breath, we who are first hearers of the word of God. It's that exhale of faith which is given and informed by the plain words of God himself. So take God's word seriously. Now that doesn't mean we don't pray for people or confess our faith publicly whenever we get the opportunity. Of course we should, and we do. But what it means is that we are careful what we are confessing. We're careful how we confess it and when and the way in which we confess it. Even that prayer in school thing, it's great. Then we have like at central, we can pray and it is to the specific triune God, not having to accommodate and bow down to other false gods. And so we value and we treasure God what he gives to us. And we don't want to see them tarnished, those good and gracious gifts. We don't want to see them turned into something that is the completely opposite of what God intended. So we treasure prayer. We honor prayer. And we give it the place it rightly deserves. And so when you see it this way then, when you hear what your Lord says, you gladly pray. And you want to pray without ceasing for all people. Even praying for those who persecute you. Even praying for those who have sinned against you. You pray, thy will be done, knowing that the will of God is always best. And that it's for your good, even if it may go against what you think you need. And so prayer for you, the Christian, is seen as a privilege. It is, and you see it through the lens of Christ crucified and risen for you. And it forms your life, even what you say. You approach God in boldness because you have a mediator. You see, you're forgiven, and that's how you approach God, in humility. And so you can and do call God your Father. You really do. You really call God your Father because of Jesus. God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, by the mere speaking of his word, The one who can destroy nations and armies with a single click of his finger. Not like in an Avengers, right? That just now came to me. But Jesus intercedes to the Father by means of his blood. And that's your God. That's who you belong to. And so Jesus is the one who really matters when it comes to prayer. So even if no one else in the entire world cares for you, even if no one in the else in the world even bothers to pray for you, Jesus always is. He is the righteous one who pleads your case on account of his merit before the Father. And even in Romans 8, we hear that the Holy Spirit intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Even when we don't know how to pray for ourselves, God prays on our behalf. And you see, then, you are a son of God in Christ. And you ask your Father in heaven as dear children ask their dear Father. That's what prayer is. It finds its confidence in Jesus. It finds its confidence in his work and gives you access to the Lord himself. And for this reason, Christ your Father hears your prayers and he answers them. That's his promise for you today and every day. And that second reading from 1 Timothy 2, God says... Through the pen of saint paul he says first of all then i urge you that supplications prayers intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all peoples for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of god our savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth for there is one god and there is one mediator between god and men the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. What beautiful words to hear this day. It's also on the thing as you exit. The, it's, I noticed that this morning when I was dropping my sermons off. That verse is up there on the little, I don't know what that's called. The, the thing above the little table as you leave the, the nave there. It's got the, the thing from the Sistine Chapel in there. It's that verse on there, right? I know nothing about sewing. Don't ask me those things. I know the verse is up there. That's what I know. And so what beautiful words, then, to have that up there, to have that here before us today. Even as Jesus himself says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, dear Christians, take heart. You have peace. Your Lord Jesus has done it all for you. You have peace with God through Christ. In Galatians we hear, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, And and if a son, then an heir through God. So God commands you to pray, and God promises to hear you and you have confidence to pray to god and know that he hears and answers your prayers because jesus is crucified for you if you want a great image of what the confidence you have in prayer look at jesus on the cross and as ascension is this coming thursday as we think about our lord who sits at the right hand of the father our risen lord without sin takes your prayers to god and he listens to you He who is true God and true man, our own human flesh and blood, yet without sin, is sitting at the right hand of God. And he prays you into the Father's presence, one commentator says, that he takes those requests. Our brother takes our requests to God. And we ask our Father with all boldness because of him. So what joy to know and to have this all on account of Christ. And so thanks be to him who has done this, who still does this, the one who was lifted up upon the cross. Is Christ your mediator and in faith you lift up your eyes to him through God's word you hear that word and you exhale and pray to your God who hears you who answers you now in time and ultimately on the last day even when he raises your own flesh and blood this is your God the God who you call father who has made you his own dear child now and forever Hallelujah, Christ is risen. risen Amen.